Well, this morning we return to the Old Testament and uh, and we're not going to do as much as I thought. I had three points I tried to do in the first service, got through one, so we'll just give you one point this morning. And that's good. I mean, uh, you know, short week next week, I already have two-thirds of my sermon done. So I've got that going for me. Well, as we return to the Old Testament series, let me just remind you of some of the things that we've looked at so far. We've looked at some of the purposes of the Old Testament, and we've asked and answered some really hard questions so far. We've looked at these misconceptions, misconceptions that people have, which kind of are a barrier between them really getting the goodies out of the Old Testament. We might feel comfortable going to Psalms and maybe Proverbs, but... A lot of those other books are kind of scary, especially the law sections and some of the prophets. And you read those books and they seem so distant, uh, different time, different place, different people. You know, they just don't seem to apply much. And even if you saw some application there, in the back of your mind, you wonder if this really applies to you. Because after all, you're not under law. You're under grace. And a lot of times we have these confusions about the Old Testament and just how does it apply? You know, you look at the Ten Commandments and you would say, well, you know, at least nine of them seem to still apply and we can't murder and steal or worship idols or whatever. And so, I mean, that seems like that applies, but yet um, we aren't under law. So what does that mean? Does it does under grace mean we don't have to obey anymore? And these are questions that confuse people. And I think this morning I'll probably confuse you more than when you came in. You'll probably leave here today knowing less than when you arrived. But it's good to ask yourself hard questions. And I have purposely tried to jump into the middle of hard questions. Easy questions are easy to answer. Harder ones, um, they try you, they make you think, they challenge what you believe. And I'm purposely trying to challenge you and stir you up so that you can begin to think of different scriptures and how they all agree. We know that God wrote the whole Bible, so no scripture contradicts another scripture. All scripture is inspired by God, and all of it agrees with every other and each bit of the rest. And we learned from our previous study that all scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. That means all the Old Testament. That means Leviticus. All the law sections is all profitable. We learned that it builds perseverance in Christians, New Testament Christians, and hope. That it provides examples for us, for what we are to do and what we are not to do. We learned that the Old Testament is just as significant, just as accurate, just as true, and just as applicable as the New Testament. But there are these problems. And the real problems come down to the whole business of law. I started out with some of the easier issues, and now we're entering into the hard issues. These are things that are really going to bend your mind. 
They're going to make you think and wonder and ponder. And at first you may see paradox here. That is, you may seem, you may think that, that there are certain, um, there are certain scriptures which actually conflict with each other, which don't agree with each other, which overrule each other, but you know that can't be true because it's all God's word. And what you need to do is not try and figure out how God messed up. You need to figure out how you messed up. Because God is not wrong, it's our interpretation a lot of times that's wrong. And so what we're going to do is jump into this whole business of law and grace. But I want you to know that I know that you are going to struggle with this. I know what many of you are going to say or think in your mind when I say certain things. You're saying, but what about this verse? Well, we're going to get there. But we're going to look at some scriptures this morning. We're going to focus on the whole issue of law. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Law. What is law? Recently, I went and uh, served in you know some jury duty. And they actually put me on a trial. Even though I told them I was the pastor of Calvary Bible Church. <laughs> you know, I almost wanted to throw in their fundamentalist extremist Bible church, but I didn't. And so I got put on a case and I thought, this is very interesting that they did this. I think the guy had been exposed to more liberal pastors or whatever, but he regretted it after the case. He told me he did (laughs) because I... I took notes. I think I wrote a whole book. I said, you know, I thought if I'm going to sit in this room all day, I'm going to I'm going to do something. So I sat down and I took I almost blew out a whole pad, a very thick pad of paper. I starred things. I made little charts of his arguments, weaknesses, strengths. <laughs> marked things. This isn't evidence. This is just assumption. By the time it got to deliberating and after I presented my case to all the other jurors, we we decided it was like 15 minutes, it was over. But there was something interesting as I was as I was in the as I was in the 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 room and 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 listening to the judge and he had all these rules that you have to abide by this and opening arguments you know aren't evidence and closing arguments aren't evidence and they're going to say things and it's their interpretation what you need to do is only consider the evidence don't go by feelings don't go by assumptions don't go by intuition go by the facts and only the facts and the evidence that's you know presented and make sure that um, you don't get confused on that because they're going to try and present things in a certain way and then after all that you know days of sitting there then you go in and then they try and um you know persuade you that their quote arguments were right and then the judge you know stands up there and gives you this big list of laws that you have to abide by and there was one thing i kept thinking of through this whole business and that was hebrews 10:28 that says anyone who has set aside the law of moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses and i begin to think that in when it comes to law it's black and it's white there's no grace there's no mercy it's law and when you're in a court of law the law reigns the law reigns 
pure law is definitive, it's cold, it's merciless. Either you're guilty or you're not guilty, period. But we as believers live in an age of grace. We know that because the New Testament tells us that. We know that we are not under law. We may not know what law that is. We may not have a clue what it means to be under grace. We know in our minds that it has to do with Christ coming and dying for us. And that's usually about it. Most people don't know anything else other than that. We look at the New Testament. We say, okay, listen, we are not Israel. We're not living in the promised land. We aren't a theocracy. We aren't even under the covenant that God made with Israel at Sinai. So we know that we aren't under the law of Moses. We know that cursed is any man who hangs on that law. And yet we have learned already that all scripture is inspired and profitable for us. For teaching us and reproving us and training us and equipping us in righteousness and perseverance in us and hope in us. And all those other things we talked about already. You're thinking, okay, well, how does, how does it all apply and yet not all apply? We looked at certain things have been explicitly nullified or abrogated or done away with in the New Testament. The sacrificial system, the laws of the clean and the unclean, things like that. We've seen those things are no longer um, functioning. Yet even in the sections of the Old Testament that, quote, have been done away with or nullified, all Scripture is still profitable. How does that work? So these are the things we're trying to get to. And this morning we want to look at law. We want to look at law in comparison to grace. Now some people think because we're not under law, we're under grace, that we're not under any law. They would take the view that you can do anything you want. You can sin all you want. You can rebel all you want because after all, we aren't under any law. We're under grace. This position is called antinomianism. A big word from a compound of two words, anti, against, namas, law. To be against the law, to be lawless. Antinomianism is the word. But yet we know in our mind that the Bible does not teach antinomianism. We can't do anything we want. We can't live lawless lives. You still have to obey God's laws, a Christian. Many of you, though, are confused at this point because you're thinking to yourself, well, what law is it? I mean, is there only nine commandments or, I mean, what is the law now? I mean, it's not the the law of Moses, certainly. What is the law? You know you have to obey God. You know you don't have permission to rebel and live a lawless life. But yet those texts which tell you you're not under law but grace come to your mind and make you wonder. So what are we to do with the law of God? And which law of God? And where is it found? And what is it? You know in your heart you have to obey And you know that you can't obey unless there is law. There is nothing to obey unless there is a law. And so this is why we're spending some time on this issue. And we are going to look at some of the 
first pieces this morning and next week some more pieces and I think probably one more week after that. When it comes to the law, we have learned that some of these, some of the God's law in the Old Testament have been done away with. Some apply ex, um, just explicitly, just like, you know, a law that says don't steal in the Old Testament. We go there, don't steal. Well, we still shouldn't steal. That, that one applies perfectly. You know, commit adultery back there. Don't commit adultery in the New Testament. Just straight across. Other laws may not explicitly or exactly apply, but they teach us things. You know, we talked about, you know, the law of, um, you know, putting a parapet around the roof of your house so people don't fall off. Well, you know, you go to our houses and there isn't a bunch of rails up there. Well, people don't spend time on the roof, but the principle there is still applies, and that is love your neighbor enough so that you don't put them in danger. Then they spend a lot of time up on the roof, They have people over, you make sure you put a rail around there. Why? Because that's a loving thing to do for your neighbor so he doesn't fall off the roof. See, that that principle still applies even though the law doesn't. We learn that sometimes we find application in the Old Testament because our situation matches theirs, but that doesn't happen very often. They lived in such a radically different culture and time and place that oftentimes their situation is so different from ours it's hard to even relate to. And yes, we can find application in example. We learned that from 1 Corinthians 10 where it says these things are written for an example in verses 6 and 11. So we would know not to crave evil things. But we were, remember we learned that the most important place to find application, the place you can always find application is with God. God is the place to find application. You ask yourself this. What is the Old Testament? It's a book about God. What is the New Testament? A book about God. The Old Testament and New Testament, the Bible, is a theology book. Theology meaning a study of God book. And sure, it contains history, but the history is to teach us about God. Sure, it contains laws, but the laws are to teach us about God. You see, the whole Bible is a book about God. And so if you want to find something applicable in any passage, in any book... Look for God and ask yourself this. What does this passage tell me about God? What does this passage tell me about who he is? What does this passage tell me about who I am? How I am to relate to God? How God is to relate to me? And what his plan is for me in the future and the world? You see, that is where you always find application in any text. So we learned that. Now our philosophical approach to the Old Testament was this. Everything in the Old Testament still applies except that which is explicitly or implicitly done away with or nullified in the New Testament. Now having said that, we want to look at this whole issue of law. Now, Webster defines law as a binding custom practice or rule of conduct prescribed or formally recognized as binding or enforced by a controlling authority. You could put that into a biblical, put a biblical spin on that and you would have something like this. God's laws are binding rules of conduct or principles or actions prescribed in the Bible, which is the authoritative word of God. The English word law appears in the New Testament over 200 times, and it comes from the word namas. We've already said that word means law. 
And most scholars agree that the word law, like when you're, you know, reading through Romans and Paul says law, and he doesn't define it, that usually it's talking about the law of Moses. This is very important to remember. It's usually referring to the law of Moses. The problem is, is there's disagreement on what that means. Does it mean that the law of Moses as revealed in just the law sections of the first five books that Moses wrote? Or does it mean all of the five books that Moses wrote? Or does it mean all of the Old Testament, which was under the laws which Moses wrote in the first five books? Well, it really doesn't make all that much difference. You would have to say that even if you believe the most, the narrow view that it's only the law sections, that those law sections are found in the first five books. And if you said, oh, it's, it's, the first, it's the whole first five books, well, the only parts in there that are law are the parts that speak of law. And you could say, well, it's the whole Testament. And, well, in one way, the, the law of Moses governs the whole Old Testament. So, you, you know, you could say, well, yeah. So really it doesn't make a lot of difference. We know that at times Paul thought the law was far more than just the books of Moses or the law portions in the book of Moses. For instance, in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 19, at the end of that section, after he quotes Psalms, I think Psalms and Isaiah, he says, just as it is written in the law in reference to that. Well, you wouldn't normally think of Psalms and Isaiah's law. In 1 Corinthians 14, 20, 21, he does the same thing. So Paul refers to Proverbs and Psalms and Isaiah as law. So we know he had a whole a wider view of law, at least sometimes. But I believe the best way to look at all of this is to realize that the laws found in the first five books are the laws that govern the whole Old Testament. So it doesn't really matter um, what, whether you're going to look at it as a whole or the first five books or just the law portions, it's the same laws governing all of it. So even though you may see all five books as books of the law, you have to remember we said there's a lot of grace in those books, right? We saw that. We went through that. And if you weren't here, you need to go back and get the tapes because we can't go over it now. But think about this. Think about this. Now this is going to um, bend your mind a little bit. That all these laws in all of the Old Testament can be condensed down into two laws. And what are those laws? According to Jesus, to love God and love your neighbors yourself. On these two laws hang all the law and the prophets. So then you ask yourself, well, we're supposed to still supposed to love God and love our neighbors ourselves but we don't we aren't under this law which is based off of love God and love your neighbor and then we're still under some other law or aren't we and and what law are we under we're supposed to love God well that is those are laws do you see how confusing that is and now you're really confused well hopefully I can save you right now here's our working definition of law when I'm talking about law, unless I define it differently, when we look through the New Testament and we read passages that talk about law and don't call it anything else, we will assume that he's talking about those the law of Moses. The laws given to Moses or through Moses to Israel. 
That's how we're going to see it. Unless there's some reason to think differently in the context. Now turn over to 1 John 3, 4. Some people would say, you know, we aren't under law. We aren't under any law. And maybe you have thought that sometime. But look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. And this is very interesting, this verse. This verse has some incredible implications. And hopefully I will be able to show you them. 1 John 3, 4 says this. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. First he says, if you practice sin, it is equivalent to practicing lawlessness. Then he just removes the comparison, and he just says, sin is lawlessness. So he gives us a definition of sin there. Sin is lawlessness. Now here we go. Let me ask you this. If sin is not obeying the law, then what is obedience? If sin is lawlessness, then what is it to do God's will? Law-keeping. Law-keeping. Christians have to keep God's laws. His commandments, his regulations, his statutes. Now, again, we don't have to keep all of them. And we haven't defined what law it is. We're going to get there next week. But just know that this passage is saying, if you sin, you're acting in a lawless manner. A lawless manner. That is, you are living like there is no law over you when there is. God has rules of conduct that you must follow. Restrictions and commandments. We must obey. Those are laws. They fit into the definition of law. Now turn to Romans 6. Now we're going to jump right into the midst of some things Paul said. And again, we're going to be back here in the weeks to come. I just want to point out a couple little fun things here. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Now Paul, you know, is the champion of salvation by grace through faith. There is no doubt about that. And in the midst of his discussion of salvation by grace through faith, he then says this in Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? You could substitute lawlessness in there. Are we to continue in lawlessness that grace might increase? May it never be. Look again at verses 15 through 19. Now, at the end of this section of chapter 6, 15 through 19, Paul defines sin as lawlessness. We've seen John define sin as lawlessness. So what I want to do is, is I'm going to read this, and wherever it talks about sin, I'm going to insert lawlessness. Whenever it talks about obedience, I'm going to insert law-keeping. And I want you to notice how this text reads. Verse Starting in verse 15, What then shall we sin, commit acts of lawlessness, because we are not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. 
Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, law keeping, you are slaves of the one whom you obey by keeping God's law, either of sin, which is to live a lawless life resulting in death, or of obedience, law keeping, resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, lawlessness, you became obedient submitted to God's laws from the heart to that form of teaching which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, lawlessness, you became slaves of righteousness, law-keeping. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, law-keeping, resulting in sanctification. Now you're thinking, whoa, that changes things. No, it doesn't. It just shows you what's there. You can't obey God unless there's something to obey. You can't submit to God unless there's something to submit to. Those things we obey and submit to are laws, commandments. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, wait, wait, what about the not under law texts? We're going to get there. Let's stick on this law thing a little bit. So we've learned from Romans 6 and 1 John 3. That sin is lawlessness, obedience is law-keeping. Now, do you remember when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount? He's preaching to all these people, and right after he mentions that one, that neither a jot or tittle will be done away from the law until all is accomplished, he says this in verse 19 of Matthew 5, Whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Then you think, well, but Jack, he he hadn't died yet. He was still in the Old Testament era. Of course he told them that. He was a rabbi. He was a Jew. He was under the law. Well, let's move a little bit closer towards the New Testament era. Think about John 14. John 14 Jesus speaking to his disciples in the upper room, get this, on the eve of his death. Jesus is going to die that day. He's going to be betrayed and crucified that day. And do you remember Jesus' last words to his disciples in the upper room? John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You could put laws in there. John 14:21 He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and disclose myself to him. John 15:14 You are my friends if you do what I command you. And some would argue, well Jack, it's still the Old Testament era, you know, they were under the commands then. Well, do you think Jesus, in his final words, his last and final words to his disciples, wanted to spend a lot of time teaching them something they had to obey for a few more hours? Or if you wanted to say for three more days until he rose again? No. He is giving them his commission for them as New Testament believers. Keep my commandments. If you love me. 
But you say, well, those are the commandments of Christ, not the commandments of God. And those are a little different. Okay. We'll just say, for instance, that the commandments of Christ are different from the commandments of God, although I don't think so. Why not? Because in 1 Corinthians seven nineteen, the apostle Paul said, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but what matters is keeping the commandments of God. Uh-oh. Now we're fully in the New Testament era. What matters is keeping the commandments, laws of God. Did the Apostle John change his view after Jesus died and rose again? Well, let me tell you. 1 John chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. 1 John 3, 21 through 24 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is the commandment that we believe in the name of the son of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him and we know that by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us here we are actually told that two commands at least are to believe in Jesus and to love your neighbor well that sounds like the things that Jesus said Believe in me and love your neighbor. And he said, the whole Old Testament is summed up in love God and love your neighbor. Interesting. You could go to 1 John 5, 3, which says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So we're under some sort of law. What law is that? Well, we're going to find out, but not today. Do you remember what we learned a few weeks back about the proper motivation for obeying law? What was it? To be saved? No. To earn points so you could go to heaven? No. The motivation for obeying God's law, either in the Old Testament or New Testament, has always been the same, has never changed. It's always out of love and devotion to God. And so far we have learned that law is a regulation, a statute, a commandment, a restriction, and an ordinance, which are all the way through the New Testament and the Old Testament. We know that we aren't under the law of Moses. We know that we aren't under law. When Paul says we are not under law because it's not defined, remember we said that's probably speaking of the law of Moses. So what law are we under? We have learned that Christians, though they are under grace, cannot sin and live lawless lives, so we're under some sort of law. Now the problem is, is time runs out. And then I can't give you the answer. But the good part is, the answer is coming. And it's coming next week. This is what I want to do. I want to give you a little homework assignment. I want you to read the book of Galatians. It's not very big. You could do it. Pretty easy. And then maybe read through Romans. Chapters. Hold on. Not the whole thing. Not the whole thing. I mean, come on. You guys have two-minute quiet times or what? <laughs> Read through chapters 5, 6, and 7 at least. If you want to be more daring, 1 through 7. As you read through those sections, I want you to note the references to law. And try and note 
as many things as you can about the law and see what you can discover. But as you leave here today, know this. If you are a Christian, you are to keep the commandments of God. That's what matters. There is some law that you have to submit to. It may not be the law of Moses, but it's law nonetheless. And next week when we come back, we'll find out what that is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just looking at law this morning. And it's kind of a shame we couldn't get to the rest. But Father, we know that uh, patience is a virtue. And I just pray that uh, people would, would take some time to just read through those, that section of Romans and maybe Galatians. And just um, look, at, look at the text and see what it says about law. And next week when we come back, may your truth be unfolded to us a little bit more so that we can see what law we're under and what that means and how that relates to the Old Testament and the law given there. And Father, I just pray that you would cause all of us to be thankful all week for all that you've done for us, for you call us to be that way all the time. We ask this in Christ's name, amen.